Hello and welcome back to season two of Fertility Talks, the Therapy Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Von Medin, and I'm so excited to be back hosting our second season of this podcast. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a different guest and chatting all things fertility. As always, our hope is that through this series, through honest conversation and information, we can strip away some of the stigma that often comes hand in hand with infertility and fertility treatment in Ireland. Today, I'm delighted to have our medical director, Dr. John Kennedy, in studio with us. And we did all of season one of the podcast yes. together, so it's nice to be back together absolutely, again. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the band back together. Yeah, quality's taking a dip, obviously, since I left, <laughs> but maybe, maybe not so much. Um, um, so yep, this week we're going to be chatting about male fertility. Yes, yes, the, the undiscovered country. Um, so this is, to put it charitably, this is neglected. Male mm. fertility is neglected. It's neglected by patients. Uh, it's neglected by clinics and really up until relatively recently it's been neglected by science mm. as well and there's a couple of reasons for that one of the core reasons is it's much harder to get guys engaged in these mm. conversations um while men's sperm count and ability to reproduce is deeply tied into their sense of self-worth and things like that correctly or not uh, is is immaterial most guys need to be dragged along to get checked. Um, just recently, just really good example of this. I had a couple and she was due an egg collection and she contacted us the morning of the egg collection to ask, really, did the guy need to give his sample that day or could he just do it another day because he'd been called into work? And she knew what the answer was going to be, but it just goes to show the, the detached, the slight detached mm. nature of, of how these things happen. And so most guys do semen analysis because they've been brought to a fertility clinic to do one. Whereas most, not most, but a lot of women are much more fertility aware. And, and they might go get testing. Go get testing and have an eye on the future and all the rest. Have you ever had someone coming in to do a semen analysis outside of a fertility cycle? Oh yeah, yeah, but it's rare. Yeah. Like uh, it's, it's over... 10 years i've maybe seen it happen 10 times maybe wow. maybe wow maybe you know um so it's just not something that it's not something that's on the radar that's done yeah yeah it's not something that's on the radar at all until there's an issue and is there often an issue well the number we quote is 40 to 45 percent of the time when a couple come in with subfertility there's male factor so it's very very common so this is critically important it's massively important and there's there's an awful lot of things that can be done. And the simple fact of the matter is we're way better at treating male fertility and subfertility issues than we are female subfertility issues. Like, way better at it. We've got more tools in the box. We've got more armamentarium. And it's also a hell of a lot easier for guys to improve their sperm quality than it is for women to improve their egg quality. Yeah, that's always something that I find really unfair. Yes. <laughs> that, um, you know... In, in most cases, and I don't want to say in all cases, because I know in some cases the, the quality does not improve. But yep. In most cases with, with, with guys, you can usually you can improve do the quality. And if you can't improve the quality, there's scientific approaches you can take to, to, to kind get of bypass. That. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So really at the core of it, guys should be getting checked. This should be a, a thing that's on people's radar, mm -hmm. and you should be aware that semen analysis can change. 
So let's talk about what a semen analysis is. You give a sample. We generally recommend you avoid ejaculating for three to five days before you give the sample. If you ejaculate regularly every day, you can affect the count. The mm -hmm. count will start to drop. You start to hit the law of diminishing returns. If you go longer than that, the sperm are sitting in the in the epididymis and the testes for too long, and you're not flushing through the system, yeah. and the motility can drop. So that seems to be give you a, a, a fair, the fairest assessment of what the sperm is like. You're looking at four big parameters: the volume produced, the number of sperm whether or not they're moving and what percentage are moving and whether or not they look normal. That is to say, what percentage look normal. You're also looking at some other things. You're looking for things called round cells, which are like white cells, which can be an indicator of an infection. You're looking to see are any of the sperm stuck together, anti-sperm antibodies or MARTEST binding. Um, you're looking at how sticky it is, how viscous or, or, or fluidy it is. And obviously, then you're looking for the rare things, things like presence of blood or something like that, which is thankfully very, very rare. So with that, you're trying to assess whether or not there's a reasonable chance of a spontaneous conception, if it's normal or if it's not. Now, what's really interesting about sperm counts is that every few years, the World Health Organization updates the parameters of what they say a normal sperm count is. And every few years, they're reducing that number down and down and down. It used to be like 30 million, then it was 25 million, then it was 20 million, now it's 16 million. Got wow. 60, yeah, so when did it change to 16? Uh, last year. Yeah, because I remember hearing a figure yeah. that said 20. So Last year. Last year, yeah. yeah. Wow. Greater than 16 million per mil is considered a normal sperm count. And you wonder how well that correlates with spontaneous conception rates. We say it correlates well, but we just don't know. Mm. Um, we know that sperm counts are dropping. There's no question about that. Internationally, nationally, everywhere, sperm counts are dropping. There's loads of theories as to why that's happening. It's um, Maybe it's a high fructose corn syrup. Maybe it's obesity. Maybe it's metabolic syndrome, westernized diets, lifestyle. Maybe we'll find there was a really interesting study that came out, nothing to do with fertility. Uh, a couple of weeks back, they found microplastics for the first time in, in human bloodstream. Wow. So, I mean, it's not a surprise. No. They're everywhere. They're everywhere else. Why wouldn't they be, you know? So now the question becomes, does that matter? Mm. Is that important? Is, is, is it something that's going to cause problems? Is this? So you can disappear down the rabbit hole of why this is mm. the way it is, but it definitely is happening. Sperm counts are, are dropping all the time. So this is, this is a real problem. So if your semen analysis is low, what can you do about it? Well, you look at the big stuff first. You look at diet, lifestyle, exercise. You look at smoking, which is terrible. You look at alcohol, which is terrible. You look at THC, marijuana, which is bad for sperm motility and bad for DNA fragmentation, which we'll talk about later. Um, so you look at all those big things. Uh, alcohol is a biggie. In Ireland, it's not a function of what we drink. It's a function of how we drink it. Uh, yeah, so it's not necessarily what you're drinking. It's just it's because it's... Binge drinking. Ten, 10 units a week is not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. 10 but units it, in two uh, hours is yeah, poison. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you have you have that to contend with. So you look at these things. You try to see, look, was there any other viral illness or any other thing that was going on uh, with respect to when the sample was taken, which is which is influencing the outcome. And maybe you repeat the same analysis. Mm. After you correct your lifestyle, then you're into your supplement space. And you know how down I am on supplements, but this is something that maybe supplements can be useful in. And your antioxidants, so vitamin D, vitamin E, zinc, selenium, things like that, CoQ10, L-arginine, L-carnitine. The problem with taking supplements is that if you try to take them individually, or if you are 
more commonly fed them individually because this is how it usually goes you can wind up taking 20 to 30 tablets a day which mm. is just not sustainable and compliance becomes a huge issue almost immediately so there are packaged supplements now you don't want to buy the most expensive supplement on the market that will be cost set you back 100 to 150 euro a month you don't want to buy the cheapest supplement on the market you, you know but some kind of mid-range supplement i'm not naming any names in the podcast but it's all of the some of the mid-range supplements i think are perfectly okay these are food additives they play second fiddle to your actual diet and your actual food yeah exactly exactly so but it is worthwhile it takes 72 days to make a sperm from scratch so if you are making changes you won't see the effect of those changes realistically for 72 mm-hmm. days. Um, and if those changes are ongoing, then you can see incremental improvement mm-hmm. beyond that. But some people do everything right. They turn it all around. They recheck the semen analysis, and it's exactly the same. Some people have sperm that is resistant to these external factors, and it's either good or bad, regardless of what that person does. Some people have sperm that's very sensitive to external factors. Mm-hmm. So... If you do a semen analysis and it's low, there's loads of things that can be done to try to improve it. You also might look at the reasons for why it's low. Is there something in the person's history? Mm-hmm. So do they have history of mumps? Do they have history of a non-descended testicle? Do they, do they have a testicular torsion or trauma or something beyond the norm that would do that? The other thing that people should do, just like breast examination for women, self-assessment of the testes for men is very important. If you've got testicular pain or you've got a sponginess in the back of the testicle, you might have what's called a varicocele. Mm. You know what that is? I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Some people may not, though. So so you've got this network, this plexus of veins that sits behind mm. the testes. Varicocele is where some of them get inflamed and engorged. And the testes are outside the body because the sperm don't want to be at the same temperature as your core. They want to be cooler. And a varicocele kind of acts like a hot water bottle mm. behind the testes and yeah. it gently warms up the, the the testes and so the sperm can be yeah. can be worse if you have a varicocele it can be clipped it can be removed and you can get a quite a dramatic improvement in sperm. and how th- those are quite common they I are believe. they are they're very common yeah. they're very common a lot of people so some people might have them might not so if your sperm count is low you could consider seeing a gp seeing a urologist mm having an ultrasound and trying to see is, is is that a feature. And are there any other kind of illnesses or conditions that would mean that people would have, you know, very low so you know, or if, if, non-existent? So if somebody has a critically low, like really, really low sperm count or what's called azoospermia, then you start trying to work out if somebody just has a low count and they do all this stuff, we tend not to disappear down down the investigative pathway. You can, but it tends not to yield much stuff. And the treatment matrix mm. tends to remain the same. We'll yeah. circle back to that. So, But if you've got a critically low sperm count, then there's things you should check. So you should do a hormonal screen to see how hard. So FSH and LH mm-hmm. in women coordinates release of follicles and eggs and growth of eggs. FSH in men coordinates uh, release and manufacturing of sperm. So if somebody has a critically low sperm count, you're trying to work out as a problem with production, warehousing, or delivery, essentially. So production. I love it. Warehousing instead of housing. Storage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so higher numbers. You put them in a house. Pop them in a warehouse. Sorry, yeah. Um, I like it. Uh, there was a logic there. Wow. Okay. A, it works, though. There's a there bit are... to unpack there. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
So how, how high is the FSH? Because it works on a positive and negative feedback loop system. So if the FSH is very high, it means the testers are really struggling to make sperm in the first place. If the FSH is low, and this is rare, then maybe the signaling system is turned off and you can reactivate that. Why might that be the case? Well, you might damage your hypothalamic pituitary axis. What's the most common way that men damage their hypothalamic pituitary axis in this day and age? Steroids, testosterone. Mm. And this is this is becoming a more and more a feature of what we're seeing, guys who are cycling through. Now, steroid use for uh, bodybuilding, for uh, body sculpting or what have you, has become actually a lot more developed in the last few years. It mm. used to be a lot worse than it is now. Now people are going add back HRT and things like that, which are helping prevent running into those kind of problems, but they can still happen. And you can knock your sperm production down to virtually zero. Usually it recovers, not always. And I have seen people knock out sperm production and never recover it, Mm. which is very sad. So that's a question you'd ask. So you do the hormone screening, you check their prolactin, you check their thyroid, see if there are any systemic issues. You do the ultrasound, and then you do some genetic screens as well. One in 17 to 20 of us is a carrier for cystic fibrosis in Ireland. Um, we have a really high rate here, don't we? We do. It's 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 come. It's more balanced out now than it was 20 years ago. I yeah. wonder why that is. I don't know. I think might have been a little bit of overreporting in Ireland. I yeah. think um, and underreporting elsewhere, perhaps. Uh, maybe we've just had a a more heterogeneous kind of population yeah. knocking around now who knows so you a proportion of men who are either have cystic fibrosis well if you have cystic fibrosis there's going to be sperm issues there because you have cystic fibrosis but if you're a carrier for cystic fibrosis a small portion of men will have difficulty manufacturing sperm and especially transporting sperm okay okay so maybe you're there you do carrier type to make sure there's no genetic reason like Kleinfelter syndrome or something I was like about that. to ask yeah is that is that XXY? Um, or is yes. It X- yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So it's an extra X chromosome and it can be associated with no sperm or very small numbers of sperm. Maybe if there's no sperm there, you can get sperm from surgical sperm retrieval and then you have to consider the implications of that using it. Now, then the third thing you look for is what's called Y micro deletions, which are small deletions on the Y chromosome. That's the sex chromosome that makes you male rather than female. And there's three different subtypes, and one subtype is associated with no sperm, and one subtype is associated with small numbers of sperm, one subtype is kind of 50-50, maybe. So you would screen for these things and do the ultrasound to try to work out why it is there's no sperm there. Is there medication you can give to try to kickstart the system, or are you wasting your time pursuing this any further at all? Yeah. And at what point would you go further than the like the semen analysis, chromosomal testing? At what point would you do the DNA frag? Ah, well, DNA fragmentation is separate entirely. So when would you do the advanced genetic screening and hormonal screening? Maybe if there was less than one or two million sperm per mil, if it was very low. But even then, not always. You would might have a discussion. These tests do add cost. If there's no sperm there, I would do it. No question. And also, if you already had some of that information. Maybe so. Oh, God, yeah. No, I wouldn't repeat it. You know what I mean? No, no, no. It doesn't change. So, and then you would talk about what to do in those circumstances. DNA fragmentation is different again. This is a... This is not a primary sperm test. This is a secondary sperm test, which maybe should become a primary test. Maybe it should be done on everybody. It's controversial. What is it? So, sperm or DNA delivery systems. 
essentially there's the head of the sperm, it's got DNA in it, and just like the rest of the cells, that DNA is coiled into that double helix structure that we all know. Sperm are a little bit different from other cells in the body. All cells in your body get subjected to what, what is called oxidative stress. These are stressors that damage the DNA within the nucleus of a cell. Cells have the ability to repair their own DNA. A cell that loses the ability to repair its own DNA will trigger its own cell death a couple of days later. It's one of the reasons we get cell turnover and cellular regeneration mm -hmm. and regrowth all the time, because of that mechanism. Sperm are different. Sperm will not recognize when their DNA is damaged, nor will they be able to fix it. As a compensatory mechanism for this, the DNA in sperm is coiled and packed more tightly than it is in conventional cells, making it resistant to damage. The DNA fragmentation test looks to see a little bit how damaged sperm is, but mostly how uncoiled or damageable mm. that DNA mm -hmm. is. Because if that DNA is damaged by oxidative stress, then that damaged DNA can be still make its way into an egg and deliver a defective blueprint to the embryo. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> resulting in either reduced success rates, reduced fertilization rates, reduced embryo formation rates, and increased miscarriage. Now, that all sounds really compelling. It's still a little bit controversial. All right, We are not as certain of this as we are about the other things related to sperm, but there is a growing body of evidence. And why that is that? Is it because it's newer? It's newer. newer. It, takes, it takes decades to get really good medical data. We're never happy. Um, How long has the semen analysis been around for? Oh, God. that's Oh, my Lord, you've asked me a question there. I haven't a nod. But, I mean, sperm aren't that difficult to see. Yeah. So... When, like how long have microscopes been around? Here, here's the important question: What is the interval you think between the invention of the microscope and the first person to look at sperm underneath it? Like an hour, an hour maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This appears to work. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? Um, so, I mean, so, semen analysis in some form has been around an awful long time. Yeah. So we have we have data on that. And there's loads more semen analysis being done than there are DNA frags. Yeah. DNA fragmentation tends to be done, I suppose, so to semen analysis, but DNA fragmentation tends to be done very much in the context of IVF and ICSIN advanced fertility treatments. Spe uh, sperm and that can be done. done within any, like, well, most, like, fertility labs. Oh, yeah. Like, no, just on, no. on site. No, uh, semen analyses are done on... On site? Yes, but no, but the oh, DNA frag Oh, goes, goes off. Yeah, yeah goes so off that's why... Labs. There's loads know, of different ways of doing it and the subtleties to that. But yeah, it needs so to be... So there's far fewer labs doing... Oh, absolutely. Like hardly any. Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it had sample has to be frozen and sent off there and it's, it's a whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So that adds cost, it adds time. So who would I do a DNA frag on? I would do a DNA frag on a guy whose sperm has delivered... Two miscarriages on somebody who's over 40 on somebody who's had a poorer fertilization rate than anticipated with ivf on somebody who is obese or is a heavy smoker or heavy drinker has gout or high cholesterol or diabetes or or and so if they have some kind of medical comorbidity mm -hmm. i'll probably recommend a dna frag and the simple rule of thumb is that if I'm thinking of whether well, I should ask this guy to do a DNA frag or not. You probably should do one. You probably should do one. All right. And gradually that net is getting wider and wider and wider until eventually it will be a case of, look, 
this is something that's worth doing. Mm. There's only two reasons to ever do a test. The first reason is because you want to know the answer. The second reason is because the answer is going to change your management. Mm. Somebody Now, high DNA frag is associated with poor semen analysis. So if you have a poor semen analysis, you're likely to have a higher DNA frag, which mm. is bad. However, it is possible to have a perfectly normal DNA analysis and a high DNA frag. Now, if you have a perfectly normal semen analysis and a high DNA frag, well, maybe there's something else going on there. Maybe by taking high-dose vitamin D or supplements, you can bring that DNA fragmentation down. That works about 50% of the time. Or you can reduce the effort the sperm has to make to get into the egg, reducing its oxidative stress stressors. And that means you would suggest doing ICSI rather than IVF. IVF leaving the eggs and sperm in a dish together, ICSI injecting the sperm into the egg. So in an IVF, the sperm actually has to do quite a lot of work. You know, not that much. They're in a dish together. I but know, but like if you're thinking of like the size oh. of a sperm and like on a dish, that's really far. Right, we're heroes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah, but it is. That's that's what we have in our arm material. Whereas with the XC, it's, you know, a one is selected. And and then if somebody has a very high DNA frag, and this again is more controversial again, you could consider doing a surgical sperm retrieval and taking the sperm directly from the testes, thereby reducing Is that the kind of protect, protecting it? Well, they don't have to move through the Yeah, they don't have to make the, the journey. The ejaculation yeah. all the rest. Yeah, so okay. you're, you're, you're minding them yeah. carefully. But again, that is somewhat controversial too. Okay, so in terms of if if you've done all these tests, if you know if it still hasn't worked out in terms of fertility treatment, mm -hmm. pregnancy, um, or you found out that there are no sperm there, what are the options? Well, aside from just not moving forward. So your first, well, I suppose we got ahead of ourselves slightly. I'm going to pull it mm -hmm. back ever so slightly because. If you have a low sperm count, what do you do about it? You try to fix it, and if that's not working, then you look at ICSI. And ICSI overcomes a multitude of sins. So we know that you need an egg and a sperm to make an embryo. And we know that the egg is probably more important than the sperm. Now, the sperm is growing in importance with every passing year. We're realizing that, that sperm are more than just a DNA delivery system. Mm. They, they do have other roles to play in embryogenesis and formation. So... What can you do about that? Well, you can inject a sperm into an egg. On an average cycle, if you get between kind of 6 and 20 eggs, if you have a critically low semen analysis, let's say you only have kind of, you know, 0 0.1 million sperm per mm. mil, that would be very, very low. 0 0.1 million sperm per mil is still a couple of hundred thousand sperm. If you produce 15 eggs, you only need 15 moving sperm. It ICSI just takes care of an awful lot of problems. Now, while there is still a reduced chance of success if the sample is very poor versus if the sample was completely normal, it's not as big as you think. Mm. So if you've got a, if I had a 29 or 30 year old woman who had 20 eggs and I thought that the live birth rate with IVF and a perfectly normal sperm sample was 65 to 70% cumulative, if the sperm sample is terrible, 55, 60? You know, it's it's it's, it's a it, hit yeah. and it's a significant hit. But, but it's, it's not, not totally what worth you going think. for. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas if I have somebody who's got a diminished number of eggs in the same proportion, you're on an absolute hiding to nothing. The two aren't even comparable. So so ICSI overcomes it multi-uses, and that's why we have been so neglectful overall of sperm 
health and why and sperm investigation and an awareness and all the rest of this stuff because if there is a problem the solution's ICSI mm. and you do all of these things you take your supplements you do your secondary test and all this and you know what you do at the end of it you do ICSI yeah. you know so it is somewhat maybe it's lazy but it is cheaper and easier to bypass a lot of that and just go straight to the straight to the thing that's going to fix yeah, it yeah so if you had a poor semen analysis you we can potentially repeat it. we can take through and you should be doing this anyway you should make yeah. our lives easier make your life easier give yourself a chance of yeah. spontaneous conception by all means repeat but understand that if the if the count is four or five million and the motility is ten percent well you might get improvements and maybe i have seen zero turn into normal it's more likely that you will be in a situation three or six months from then where you're kind of going okay it's a bit better it's exactly the same we need to do ICSI. Mm. meanwhile Time has, ha- time has gone on. Time has gone on. The yeah. the eggs are a little bit older. The AMH is a little bit a little bit poorer. So there is always a tension there, and something mm. you need to be very aware of. So if you have somebody and you've done all of this, and for whatever reason, either there's no sperm there, or the sperm isn't suitable, then I suppose you're looking at uh, an alternative source of sperm, and you're looking at donor sperm. Um, and is that something that has happened frequently? Oh yeah, yeah. I would have had plenty of couples over yeah. the years where they've got bad news and or else they understand that their chances are substantially lower for whatever reason with 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 using his sperm and they look at donor sperm i've worked over the years with donor sperm and donor egg and i've always felt that donor sperm philosophically for me is a slightly bigger hurdle to get over and why is that well and speaking as a man (laughs) you know it's with donor egg, the big upsell on donor egg and what gets an awful lot of women through the process of donor egg is that they carry. Mm. And that is, that's a, as I'm sure all mothers will state, a very, very powerful bond. Mm-hmm. It's, that's something that supersedes an awful lot of other connections that you'll have in your life when one person grows inside another person. So irrespective of the source of the genetic material for the egg, there's an ownership there there's no question about that the guy doesn't have that mm. yeah. he, he, he doesn't he doesn't have he doesn't even have that to cling to you know so i'm always in admiration and awe of the men who step up and they get given pretty devastating news and they absorb it and they go into problem solving mode and they deal with it and they get on with it and when you look at the data on the outcomes here, they're actually really good. The guys bond really well with those children. They're dad. Of course they do, because they're their kids. <laughs> yeah, but it would be easy to see logically yeah. how it might go a different way. Yeah. You know? And I just, I think it speaks well to them. That's, that's, that's. Here's a question. In terms of using donor sperm, do you see a difference with a heterosexual couple who uses donor sperm and, say, a same-sex couple who do an IUI and the second female parent is not physically connected with DNA, with carrying? Do you see Do you see a difference there? Or <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I do. I think when it's a heterosexual couple, there is medicine involved. There mm. are, they are patients. There mm. is a problem because we have stepped off the normal beaten track where we use your sperm we Mm. use your eggs and we make we make baby or you don't even need to come in Mm. there's a problem and this is a solution to the problem and there's a with uh female same-sex couples um generally they're clients not patients yeah Yeah. love love with that word but but 
So they're coming in for service provision and service acquisition. And very frequently, there'll be a conversation went, right, who wants to do this? Mm. Now, sometimes there's an age differential or an AMH differential. But usually, if you want a shot, we'll give you a shot. So, so there's no loss there in the same way because they know, yeah, it's I a sp- choice. Yeah, I suppose you, there's no assumption that you're going to produce sperm. Whereas with Absolutely. a heterosexual couple... Absolutely. They're, they're, they're yeah. coming in knowing they need a source of sperm. They want to do it in sure. a coherent, correct fashion. They want to line up with the CFRA and all the rest of that stuff. So it's much more mechanistics and logistics. Uh, mm. There, A lot of the time, or at least some of the time, uh, the couple will have a very, very clear idea. Oh, it's a bit of a laugh about it. Yeah, no, she's doing it. And I say, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, but... Um, usually the couple will have a very clear idea of what they want to happen. Then you start doing the testing, and what I'll often say, and again, maybe sounds like to cover here, look, we have a plan B right here if we if we need it, if that's something you're open to to exploring. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, so in terms of talking about all of this, ah. we know that massive stereotype, but in general... Like, say, if you went on to, like, the, the chat forums and whatnot, I don't think I've ever seen a man yeah. on one of those ever. Yeah. I don't know if they're even allowed on them. Well, I'd like to think... I don't know if they'd I, Yeah, I actually don't. Stock. I don't know. I think a proportion of the people who are on those forums will oh, feel threatened by that. Yeah. I think. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, But, like, just in terms of discussing it openly, like, it's it's... You know, in in terms of women, women are starting to talk about their fertility mm-hmm. and their infer- infertility more. But mm-hmm. even still, there's still this kind of like, hush, hush, oh, yeah. we don't talk about this. So, um, you know, and then for the male population, Fair. it Look, seems to be even more so. It is the stereotype. Uh, guys have to be dragged along. And this is the stereotype and this is the generalization. Guys have to be dragged along to get a semen analysis. And then when you tell them the semen analysis is normal... The reaction is always the same as the internalized fist bump, you know. It's, and uh, I am man. Even, yeah, and even even the the female part of these scenarios is generally the pat good the for leg you. And good, good for you. Good for you. And there's a little yeah. bit of oh, it's I always it. me. It's never you, sort of thing. You know, it's a it's all a little bit hail fellow well met mm. sort of stuff. You know, and equally, if the if the result is low, it really takes. Mm. Takes knocks the stuffing out of them in terms of their virility, their um, sense of masculinity, their their sense of self worth, and they pretty quickly drop into problem solving mode. Right? What do, what do, do I do about this? Yeah. And then you talk about the various lifestyle things, but really, what you're talking about is ICSI. Okay, yeah. how do we how do we get this? This yeah, sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bad news, good news situation. Bad news, you need help. Good news, help exists. Right? Yeah. Let's let's yeah. let's do it. You know. So how do we? open up the conversation to get men talking about the wider implications because obviously it's not just as simple as there's a problem let's fix the problem you know there's there's a whole host of implications of of, of testing of treatment of of going through cycles that are unsuccessful of watching your partner go through it i don't want to be down on this okay i want to be upbeat and positive and aren't we changing the world it's taken us years to get to the point where we're talking more openly about female fertility, female health awareness. We're now talking a little bit more about egg donation Mm. than we used to. 
we're breaking down these barriers. It has been a monumental job of work that's been done by certain people in the media, by fertility specialists, by the likes of uh, you, you know, proponents in, in the field who are pushing this conversation, pushing this narrative, getting help. The incredibly brave individuals who go through fertility treatment and are willing to publicly share their stories. So powerful and so scary for them, especially if you're one of the early ones. My God, mm -hmm. the stigma and shame. I remember not so long ago, wasn't that many years ago, somebody being terrified because she was from a small rural town that somebody would find out she went through fertility treatment mm. because how she'd be looked on in the town. There's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? You know? So we haven't done nearly the same work in the male fertility space. So what can we do? Well, what we are doing, you can make sperm testing more accessible. You can make it cheaper, make it available, make it easier to get the results, make it easier to get information about the results. I give resources on this. You can do a fertility, male fertility awareness week, which you're going to talk about later on, and you can try to get guys doing it. What we need, and there's a few of them out there already, but we need more of them, we need brave souls to share their stories. That's really what's going to carry this day. And then we, as healthcare professionals in this space, need to support them in them telling their stories. Mm. I, that's how it worked for IVF and fertility. That's the only way it'll work for this, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, it'll happen. It'll just take time. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about the fertil male fertility uh, fortnight that we're yep. running. So at the moment on our social media, um, we are running just an awareness campaign, I yep. suppose, talk talking more about male fertility yep. um, and, and just giving people information and things that they may not know and, you know, sharing some patient stories and, and whatnot. And we're, this is all going to culminate in a four-day free mm. testing event uh, for people who are not already patients of the clinic to come in and um, get a free semen analysis done. Bingo. You know, I yeah. think, look, it's this is the kind of thing that we want to do want to keep 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 it rolling just to as you say build that awareness just get checked chances are it's fine and yeah. even if it's not fine it's not the end of the world lots yeah. of things can be done yeah. i mean a low semen analysis means so much less in terms of your future fertility implications than a low amh yeah it doesn't mean there's suddenly a fire under you or anything like that yeah it just means you need to be aware you know yeah. i love that yeah so it's not necessarily for anybody who is even going through fertility treatment or, th or considering yep. becoming a parent anybody anybody can come in and get get their um their sperm checked yeah cool absolutely so if you're listening to this do it yeah oh 100 please <laughs> yes absolutely i'm sure you'll push the message out there well thanks Nobody so much better. for um coming in and chatting ah. i think uh that's us and thanks for having me back it's been a pleasure as always we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Fertility Talks, the Therapy Fertility Podcast. If you have, please rate, review and subscribe. For more information on the services we offer, you can visit www.therapyfertility.com.